Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Our Sentiments Exactly, or rather My Sentiments Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of ours, it's like both ours, but we just say My Sentiments. I'm your host, me, and your other host. Me times two. Absolutely. Today we are excited to be here um, because it's a new day and we're live, um, but we, we can't really say that for some people, um, specifically um, the recent tragedy that took place with a young African-American man in um, Minnesota. And so today we want to take some time to just kind of chat it up a little bit about what's on our minds um, with the state of race relations really in the country and how that filters in what's going on with politics and and just kind of go from there. I mean, our hearts are pretty heavy and um, got, a, got a lot on our minds about that. Is your heart heavy or are you angry? I think that's important to differentiate. Um because here I am like, hey, I'm excited. I don't know. I think it's it's a it's a mix of feelings. Like and I, I think that's what it feels like. It, you wanna you want things so badly to be okay, but you are bogged down and you are heavy by what you were seeing happening, you know, in most cases right outside of our front doors. And so I would say heavy. I mean, definitely there's anger, but I think that underneath the anger, the root of it certainly is sadness and heaviness. Um, but what what do you know to have happened? What What's your spin on what happened to uh, in Minnesota? Well, you know what? What I realized the other day is I was not angry. Mm-hmm. Um. But I had a thought of why that is why I wasn't angry. So this is probably more commentary than what is going on in the news, right? Right. So social media is our daily life. So much daily that it's like going to the toilet. Matter of fact, we might even post about going to the toilet yeah. <laughs> on social media. <laughs> But what I realized, especially in maybe the past five years, that it is very common to see um, death or dying in the midst of memes that make you laugh and the recipe that you want to try. Right, right. So that, that got me to thinking. So I was like, you know what? That made me think about some things that have happened in our past. So about 29 years ago, Mm -hmm. police brutally beat a man named Rodney King. But here's the clincher. It wasn't that he was being beat that made us stop and take pause because the LAPD had been known of brutal attacks viciously for years um, we had talked about it in movies. We had talked about it in music. But what the clincher was, it was videotaped. 
And it was on the six o'clock and the 10 o'clock news for a year mm-hmm. of this black man getting beat by these white police officers. Mm-hmm. And despite the obvious brutality, they got acquitted. Yeah. And came outrage of again what we have always dealt with mm-hmm. but it's just that it was blatant in our face every day we had a recording of what had already occur- occurred constantly True. so then i got to thinking again i went to, i went even further bloody sunday mm-hmm. the march on selma a peaceful protest that happened 55 years ago that turned into brutal beatings by the police. But here's the clincher. It wasn't that we weren't already getting beaten by the police and thrown in jail and killed um, for peaceful protesting. It was because it was naturally broadcasted on TV right before Donna Reed came on. Now, I don't know if Donna Reed was actually on at that point, but my, my point is we were sitting on, on the couch with our family and this popped on TV. Mm-hmm. The first of its kind. We could ignore it till it was literally in our living rooms. There you go. So kind of, I think Will Smith just said that racism isn't, uh, new or something to that effect is just being filmed right so i then i was like let's go back even further and this is this might be too deep in history for people to remember but one of the first uh one of the very first now it probably isn't the first but the first photograph of a lynching mm-hmm was a man in Waco, Texas named Jesse Washington in 1919-ish. So almost 100 years where people gathered to watch this man being hung Mm. for something he did not do. So then if you think, if you round all that up, what is the difference here outside of the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I was no longer angry. It was just, it was a sense of in another 30 years, this is going to be the minority report where it is predictable of the sense of crime. So we are going to be virtually killed. Right for something because of the day, because it has changed. We've, we've gone, we have shown racism in photographs. We've shown racism in videotape. We've shown racism on TV. We've shown racism on your feed. Yeah. So when and we are still being denied. Yeah. So, what 
what's the next platform or, or stage, if you will, the stage to see. So essentially for all those who I can't imagine it, you don't know, but we're, we're referencing the um, murder of uh, George Floyd in um, Minnesota a few days ago, I believe, um, earlier, certainly last week, where a white police officer was, um, and, and there were other officers there, but one in particular had his knee on his neck, pretty much, and the, the gentleman was pretty much saying, I can't breathe, you know, please stop. I can't. He was in handcuffs on his stomach, it, posing no threat whatsoever. And uh, handcuffs on his stomach. I, I mean, and he asked them to save him, pretty much. Um, I heard on uh, CNN, um, there was an interview of the young man who was recording and he was recounting what he saw and to hear him explain that at some point, George even said, I want my mama. You know, um, it was evident that this man's life was slipping away, yet mm -hmm. the officer continued to hold him down and casually yeah that i think that's important to know casually and so in any case i think what what we're really talking about is or what you help bring to light is yeah we can get we're angry you know there are so many different feelings that you have but what we have to make a connection about or, or what you're helping to see is that None of this is new. What's changed is the platform, the stage. The medium. The medium, absolutely, the medium. And so what do you do? I think for me, um, this time around, um, I'm more concerned about the silence of our friends, quote unquote, at this point, looking around, and if you're not, if you don't have anything to say, if you don't have any emotion about this, um, that really truly looking at who I'm standing next to, who claims to be an ally or something like that, this, is, this was a human being that was actually murdered on film. It was recorded and shared over and over and over. And if you're silent about that, if, if you have no, you know, qualm about that, where are you in these, the, the issues that we have with racism? Where are you? Where do you fall? Something that stuck out to me was, because um, of course now the, the rioting has taken place and people are angry. And there was uh, someone who had tweeted something. Um, I know you had known the person or uh, someone had tweeted something about, um, Tommy Lauren. What's her name? Her name is Tommy Lauren. Okay. Who is she? She's essentially a Republican analyst. Okay. Um, I don't know what true background she has in polit uh, politics, but she speaks of politics and current issues. Okay. Well, 
she hadn't spoke on this from my understanding last I last I was reading up on it and because she had made a comment previously about how why would you riot and why would you ruin your neighborhood or destroy your own community and and somebody commented and said well they tried to kneel peacefully but y'all had a problem with that and oh no she's very she's very vocal she's extremely vocal um even into the same um her cousin candace owens they're extremely vocal about how none of these things relate to racism or how these don't solve the issue well i think for me a a profound parallel with the situation again going back to the silence of our our allies of our friends um and then martin luther king the quote that is circulating that he said um, a riot is the language of the unheard. Um, so, you know, obviously the voices of those who are hurt, who are hurting, who are impacted by all of this, I, I, I'm not there going to put it in a box and say only Black people really hurt from this. I would hope that so many more people, human beings in general would feel this or whatever, but it is the sound that's unheard. And what's louder though, is the silence of those who need to say something, who should also say something and don't. It is- Well, you know what? I almost disagree with that. Why you say that? Because I think people, here's the thing. I'm not worried about the people who think uh, badly or wrongly in silence. It's the ones that's blatant about it that I think we should have an issue with. Because we're all... We're all in our house. We all have our opinions. We all speak, you know, freely among ourselves. Those people I don't have a problem with because I think that we all do it. But it is the blatant racism uh, that to me right now speaks more loudly. And not the silence. Because again, I also feel like it is such a sensitive issue that people, even uh, people of uh, Anglo-Saxon, even if they have a problem with this, don't quite know how to to say or feel. Because what I also feel like a, a lot of our issues, especially in America is, if we don't go through it, we don't bother with it. Yeah. Yeah. But here's where my bigger issue of people who are not silent is that we literally just had our leader in charge hmm. say, you know what, there's nothing wrong if a police officer needs to do a little extra. He did. To sub. Really? He did say that. So he pretty much gave him permission. 
I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence about that. I, I think that I mean I see what you're saying, and I, I agree that there is some level of sensitivity. But my my concern is I said it. Um, I think on a personal post of mine, I said that your comfort with your discomfort. That's my concern. Your comfort level with being just uncomfortable. I need you. You got to move past that. Now, of course. You may not know how, but now's the time. Now is the time. There are people of all races, though, white people, brown people, all people coming out saying, no, ma'am, this is not acceptable. This is ridiculous. I am tired of this. This is, this is absolutely happening. I have a Facebook friend right now, um, and you know, of course, Facebook friends lose, but um, it's, it's a white man who I really don't really see. Um, I think we're, I don't even remember how we're networked, but anyway, um, I don't really see many of his posts. And if I do, it's certainly not about anything that I, you know, I'm necessarily directly connected to, but his recent profile picture caught my eye because he absolutely changed his profile picture and it says black lives matter, black lives matter. That, meant something to me and again it's a changing of a profile but he's not out there protesting and he's not on cnn giving his own account and you know but he spoke and i think that that's important right now because i think that that brings the human the human aspect of it together where there is division um that racism divides or whatever um you know i think that everybody speaking up about it or whatever the injustices or whatever is what's going to make a difference and of course we can go on and on about that but speaking of injustice let's talk about and you know i'm not necessarily getting into the whole calling them people karens and and all this stuff but if karen you know it, whatever Becky's them Becky know, Karen whomever you can call who her I believe her name to be Amy Cooper and I run fake problems the black man in the uh who was bird watching his last name is Cooper too reading that that threw me off a little bit when I was reading they the article could be cousins. that's how I was like hold up so y'all b- hanging with the Coopers what's going on did well, he actually Yes, and you know, he actually came out and said that he felt like the things that were happening to her was excessive. I did see that. But my issue becomes when do we learn? Because the, the inherent problem we have with all of these issues that we've just talked about is people do what they get a, can get away with till they can't. That is true. I'm all about quotes. There is a quote by Stokely Carmichael. It says, if a white man wants to lynch me, that's his problem. If he's got the power to lynch me, that's my problem. Racism is not a question of attitude. It's a question of power. I sat with that for a second. And I think exactly what happened with in the park and the bird watching and, and this Amy Cooper individual, 
it it wasn't her attitude. She and, and it, I think it speaks a little bit to what you were talking about how you can what people talk about in their own houses and things of that nature. You could racism. It was the fact that she knew she had power to do something as a result of it. And, and that was my point to silence. Because again, I'm not worried about the people who don't say anything or may talk about stuff in their living room. But we need to pay attention to the ones that have power in what they are saying and what they are not saying. My friend on Facebook, I don't care. If he, if, if he can't change anything, I see your point. he is as important as I am. I need to know these people that we seem to uh, ignore when we vote. Uh, these people who have been in offices for 50 years without um, hmm. opposition. Sure. These are the people that we need to be watching about what they say or they don't say. I see your point on that. I'm going to be honest, I do. And I think that it, I think that I'm glad we brought up the, the topic of power because I think that that's important. You can't really defines the the impact of what racism truly has without also you know coupling that with the power that comes with that you know what i'm saying like really truly defining what that means and i, I can see your point with that <music> And speaking of power and therefore politics um, and, you know, who we're voting for and, and how we can mitigate that power, help try to at least put people in offices that would, you know, do right by the people, quote unquote. What's up with Joe? For Uncle Joe and that comment that he made, wasn't that Charlemagne the God or whatever, whatever? Oh, Joe. So listen, old Joe has always been flipping at the mouth. Joe well, has been flipping hold at the mouth. Hold on. For all those who don't know, Joe Biden, your presidential candidate, uh, said, went on Charlamagne the Guy, right? And said that pretty much, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, right? Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, so now, so that's what happened, and some black people, or people in general, were up in an uproar, like, hold up, how you gonna tell us we not black enough, Joe, now? Hold up, hold up, what you talking about? So, sorry to interrupt, so tell me what you were saying. So, again, Joe has always been flippant at the mouth. He's always been uncontrollable, but... And here's another thing that I thought about in the process is that Joe has white male privilege. And what comes with that is he's had the ability to say what he wants, say what he thinks at that moment, and there is no consequence. And he's been doing that for years. Now, don't get it twisted. I don't have a problem with what Joe said because had anybody else said it, hmm we would have agreed because uh -huh. there are some fundamental issues in what he was talking about and the and and Charlemagne and 
how badly Charlemagne was pushing the agenda. Mm -hmm. So he's not a Biden fan, right? Well, his whole point, which again, it's not a problem. It is a problem how he did it. So his whole problem was that we, as, as Black Americans, we automatically vote Democrat with no questions, mm. no platforms. And he is of the opinion that at some point we have to demand what we need. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. It is actually true. We overwhelmingly vote Democrat, no questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and here's the thing: they assume they have our votes. Yeah. Essentially, what happened with President Barack Obama mm-hmm. is that Black people overwhelmingly voted more than any other election in this nation. I remember that time, don't you? Yes, I do. I We had grandmothers. Yes. I roll remember into the that. I remember but, that. But prior to that, we have been ignored. Like if you were Democrat, if we get the black vote, bam, there it is. Mm. But there was exponential numbers coming out of the, of the black vote in Democrat. It changed the second term because again, we thought President Barack Obama was supposed to be a savior like no other, mm-hmm. that he was going to be able to change systematic problems that we have. And that is a whole nother discussion that I have, but we failed him because we took our mid-election votes and didn't vote. Right. So we expected one man to do all of these things with no team. It's a quarterback with nobody on the field. Doesn't work. Boy, he had to anyway, huh? Right. Fast forward, Hillary Clinton. Here's what they noticed, even though she lost, there's a there's a whole other discussion, a whole other issue. Right. But black women stood up like no other. And here's what's happening right now. They're trying to get black women because we make a difference. If we go vote, we make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. But Charlemagne's point to get on the subject was we vote without our issues being addressed. But yeah. other communities, uh, whether it be uh, other races, other genders, other um, sexual orientations, they get their agendas addressed. We don't because one, they don't have to face us. They just assume our vote and we move on. Right. Yeah. So his, 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 his main issue is you need to earn my vote. Mm. Here's where my problem comes in. When there's 10 candidates up there and we're trying to narrow them down and we're trying to make sure that we have the right one 
to put on our side to go against the current administration, that makes sense. But Joe is it. That's who we got. Like yeah. Joe is it. Somebody, I saw That's somebody who- post. Uh, don't let what Joe Biden said distract you from that. We all vote Joe Biden. That's where it's at. So to now have these issues, and here's the thing, I also know why he has the issues, because Joe didn't go up to the Breakfast Club prior to getting his nomination, and he was pissed off about that because he wanted to act the men. And Joe knew what he was doing. Because again, Joe was, can't control himself and is flipping it in the mouth. As a matter of fact, he cussed it at Emmy. Because he said that. Really? Yes, he did. Because again, Joe is Joe. Lord have mercy. They said, somebody said, I don't care if Joe said cotton candy, sweet and gold. Let me see your Tittero. We still vote for Joe Biden. Exactly. That is what we need to, we need to change our focus. Our first focus, when we have so many candidates, is what is important to you and why should I vote with you? Vote for you. Now, Joe is it. This is who we got. We need to stand behind him yeah. if you believe the current administration needs to leave. Yeah. And we should not be causing chaos within the party. That's the part- I think we, and I use the word we loosely, we as a group, not just one particular group, but we can't help ourselves. We self-sabotage. We do self-sabotage, and that is our problem. I don't care if, here's the thing, I don't care what we say, we are a two-party system, all the other parties that try to jump in, last yeah. minute, don't mean nothing because they don't change anything other, other than divide the vote. Yeah. But when Republicans get behind somebody. It's done, ain't it? It doesn't matter what they do. Apparently, Exhibit A. You can apparently grab somebody by the the you-know-what. You can grab somebody by the you-know-what. You can tell folks to drink bleach and not have any consequences when folks actually do it. And send them to the emergency room because they did it. And nobody says anything. And apparently you can sue, you can set up an executive order for Twitter or social media. Did you hear about that today? For censoring the foolishness that you say it. Uh, you can do all of this and they still stand strong. He said you cannot fact check on social media. Which means he is about to send an executive order. Oh, he signed it. He signed it. He just did. To deregulate what anyone can say about what he is saying, but we sitting over here fighting and and disengaged about Joe saying what they've always known is that we yeah. again. Because at the end of the day, did Joe like, you know what? That is a very valid point. We just had a president sign an executive order that said that um, you cannot. You cannot be corrected. Right. He, pretty much. He can't be corrected. 
But Joe up here telling us what the truth is, and we mad because he was white and told us what the truth is. Because the truth exactly. is exactly that Joe, is why. You know, Joe is mixed anyway. You know, he he President Obama half brother. Everybody knew that. Joe ain't just all white. I'm talking about priorities. We 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 got them mixed up. Really bad priorities. He said, "What does it say?" Uh, Tech companies have unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, or alter a large sphere of human interaction. Now, here's the thing, and I know we could go on and on about this. What if, this is the kind of petty I am. I was told I was petty today for doing something very similar to what I'm about to describe. Okay, so you're trying to control something I came up with, right? Okay, but then I ain't came up with it no more. It don't exist. It's gone. I don't do it no more. What if Twitter was like, okay, well, then there's no Twitter. I mean, obviously, you and I know they ain't going to do that because at the end of the day, fine, I just won't fact check you. But what I'm going to fact check is these bank accounts and these, these dollars I got in this bank. Twitter ain't going nowhere. But what if, right. what if they were like, what if they went back into their, you know, innovation clause and then came up with another platform? And then what, what, what is the president going to do? Make you reopen Twitter? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is he going to make you be? The, you know what I mean? Like, Twitter is giving him this platform as a courtesy. What if they took a Again, one? uncontrollable. It does not matter. Child. Literally, if you just even... If you put everything that's been foolish said on the news in the last month. We got coronavirus going on, but we sitting here arguing with Twitter. Yeah. Uh, we got we got riots and folks dying in the streets. And literally in droves, they will go out and vote for this man. Side note, 30-second interjection. Uh, you know it's hurting pain if you are rioting Target, Target ain't did nothing to nobody. So well, you Target know ain't did nothing to nobody, but but I'm just saying, like what they did we was, skip over Target. Well, again, but in in uh, Minneapolis is the headquarters, but what they did was oh, they right. sided. They sided with the police, which again is making a statement. Really. Yes. I missed that. And the statement was made. Target sided with the police in Minneapolis? They stand behind their police. And again. Well, you know, the University of Minnesota does. Remember, is it the University of Minnesota? Which university there was like, you know what? We're going to pull this contract. They pulled the police contract. But again, that's the fight. There are people. Because again, it's not the people in their kitchen talking about this. It is the power that makes the difference. So Target said one thing casually, I support the police. But again, they came out and said it in a time of civil unrest. Sure. So this is what happened. Sure. Well, I tell you what, one thing's for sure is in the words of Whoopi Goldberg in the movie Go. We in danger.
We in danger. Yeah, I, I honestly know. We're not in danger. You don't think not? I'm and, and again, I'm not just talking about the black race, the people, black men specifically, women as well. But I'm not talking about. I just aside from that, the country itself, we in trouble. No, I think it is the same thing. More things change, the more things stay the same. We have adapted. Uh, and I actually got to arguing with someone once when they were trying to say to me, because they were trying to say why they did not vote in the last election because we were voting for the the um, difference of two evils, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was trying to make this point that I think still applies even to this is that yes, we can anger, we can fight, we can riot, we can change laws, we can even change power. But what happens is the opposition also changes. Mm. So that was my point too. So we can photograph and have picnics around um, lynchings, horrendous burnt bodies and and smile for a photo or we can watch uh, a broadcast and sit in our living rooms and eat dinner or we can watch videos on replay of these things or we can literally see it in our feed Mm -hmm. again the more things change the more things stay the same I have come to the conclusion, and it's a sad conclusion, that it is, ju- it is just changeable. We, yes, we change, we change laws. Uh, yes, we are now able to vote. We are, are uh, we now, quote unquote, deserve rights of all people, even though what's happening clearly doesn't speak to that. But it's still, changes we still end up fighting the same goals with different rules sure. absolutely i agree and i think that i know we could go on and on and on about that but I think that that's probably a good place to stop. I think that's a good place to stop and think about, you know, really as we're getting our emotions together, as we're figuring out how we feel about everything that's going on, what we want to do, what we want to change or whatever. That's, that's, a, that's an important place to be grounded. The more things change, the more things absolutely stay the same. So really, when you think about change and what you've got to do, you can't do that in isolation of history repeating itself. You've got to go deeper than that. We've got to really look deeper within um, root causes. People refer to systemic racism and all those things. We, this, this has to be an overhaul, like a, you know, digging it all up and, and a reset and what that well, truly looks like. That's a funny thing. 
because I, because of course, even though I have a very somber outlook on what we are going through, I also got to thinking, how do you really change something that the foundation is bad? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. We've constantly over four, 500 years tried to fix yes. what is on top of bad foundations, yeah. like a house. If you have a bad foundation, I don't care how pretty you make it, what stone you add, how you redo the bathroom, it is still sitting on something yeah. horrible. Yeah. So, of course, then the, the crazy question is, how do you really fix this? Like, yeah. we literally started bad. So we keep adding band-aids and ripping yeah. them off at the end yeah. simultaneously on problems. Yeah. I mean, it is, at the core. The system the is bad. History. The system yes. is horrible. But the system was built to be horrible. Yes. And you lit we literally have to go back and fix and acknowledge. Like I would never, you just reminded me, I would never forget when I went and visited Washington, DC, and I did some tours of some historical landmarks and things of that nature and really kind of backtracked and, and saw some things with American history, including going out to Thomas Jefferson and um, Monticello or whatever. And I went to Arlington uh, Cemetery and, and um, George Washington and all that. Look, you know, looking at all those places and things of that nature, the, the um, houses or whatever you call them and visiting those things, all of them. Matter of fact, University of, well, was it, uh, do I want to say Virginia? University of Virginia or something? The one in, um, the one that just um, probably because I believe uh, it has a lot of ties to Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, that that one, uh, and uh, the one that they just took the statue down and so forth, and that issue um, came about. Um, I remember feeling like it. Let me put you this way: I visited with a college. Um, with one of my uh, programs that I was in. It was so bad. And the impact was so bad, the implications of the, the racism that America and the historical racism, like we were on these tours and I cried because they showed me the alleyways where the slaves had been, or this was a spot where some of the slaves were murdered. This is where they were they had to sleep and this is the fountain that they had to and then we glorify all these statues of of white men who couldn't make it and do any of the things that they did without the slaves quote unquote and it's it was so hurtful to learn that and then to see it and it was so awkward not just for the black people on the, uh, on the tour but for the white people who are considered our friends and certainly have different views about race and, 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 and whether we're equal or not, it was so uncomfortable. It was absolutely uncomfortable because you're like, this is awful. We have to go back and acknowledge that. We have well, to you, go back and give names to those people. Well, you know what? That's a valid point. 
because the biggest issue I tend to have when people say I'm tired of slave movies is that I don't care how many Holocaust movies come out. It gets Oscars. I don't care how many Holocaust um, museums open. There's not an issue. Like, how can you be racist by opening up an African-American museum? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have such a problem that we are constantly being told to forgive and forget. Yes. They call it, what, that plantation? Uh, yes, like, why are you dwelling on that? But when other races or other religions or other people dwell on their past, it is celebrated. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. there, there, there's, there's a trick to that because here's the thing. We've also been narrowed in our history. Yes. Um, yes. We don't know any more than what they allowed to be taught up. Yes. We hear about the same people in February, Black History Month, we Shorts Month. We, and we, and we, we, are we dwell on that and we, and we are so much more than that. But yes. If you don't know you're much more than that, you then also come to the conclusion that, yes, I'm tired of hearing about this one piece. But no, it is a much bigger puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. And that side of that was Charlottesville, Virginia. So yeah, that's what I was talking about. University of Virginia in Charlottesville. That is exactly right. Going there, like one of my first questions on the tour when I asked, I was like, so who was the first African-American student here? Yeah, it was a student who was um, kicked out. Um, they would let him go there. They denied him entrance and he went to Howard and went to Howard Long. And then he came back to University of Virginia. Of course, I'm maybe messing up the story completely, but they would not admit African-Americans at University of Virginia and places like historically black colleges, universities like Howard University, um, really mainly Howard, especially in that, you know, D.C. area or, you know, where a lot lot took place in regard to American history. that's where they went. It, w- it was way deeper than just being a black college. It was, it was where, it was the only place they could go. Mm-hmm. And they capitalized them. They didn't just go, come on. They didn't just go to school. Some of us right now, we just going to school. No, they, they went and they made a legacy and they, they did things that they, they overcame barriers and, um, doctors and, and lawyers and, and, and really like activists and so forth so that we really could have the conversations that we're having now. So I wholeheartedly agree. Or not vote. Yeah. I wholeheartedly we not go to narrow, school. We narrow our history. And we don't, it's, I know that it may be not acknowledged, like I was speaking about, it's not acknowledged and, and you know, we're not, America as a whole hasn't gone back and acknowledge the things that have taken place with African-Americans, but we gotta take some of that responsibility too. Because the information is there. But if it ain't there, we can go find it, certainly. And I think we need to make a bigger deal of that. Certainly a bigger deal of that. And so- Absolutely. 
For sure, for sure. But again, I think that again goes Which back. Which is why I, I, I will, if, if, if 12, when 12 Years of Slave came out, I supported it. If 13 Years of Slave came out, I would support it. Again, not because that's our only story, because it's not, because I know more than that story. But if we don't support our stories being told, they narrow it down to what they choose to. Yeah. And if we don't fight for the general story, yeah, us being kings and queens yeah. and activists and fighting against uh, what was wrong, then yes, this is what you get. I think I think that we may be onto something. I think a big part of it is not just being angry, not just, you know, being sad, like I was talking about I was, not realizing that we need to change, but also grabbing hold and taking control of the narrative as it relates to African-American people and the culture and our representation and our meaning within this country and the history. It means taking, being more involved in what our narrative is. We have a responsibility to it. We can send the signal that we've got to go really to undo this, or rebuild this foundation. We got to take it all the way back. All of them unnamed slaves. We got to go back there and we got to put some names on them. We got to put some, and put some importance on them and recognize what they were able to do and emulate that. We got to bring our own value. And, and again, that's a whole nother conversation, right? Um, I think what we wanted to talk about a little bit is the how that translates and what we do in the African-American culture specifically related to entertainment. And I think we can definitely head toward a part two with you guys and and get there and, and continue our conversation. But certainly, um, we hope that we're sparking some thoughts and some ideas around what really is happening with race relations and what some solutions are. We hope that you, you know, like our podcast and um, maybe eventually you think we'll do a social media or something. Maybe you can leave comments and stuff like that. I don't even know how that works, but we, we certainly appreciate you listening in and feel free to um, connect with us and let us know some things that you want us to share out of or whatever. And, um, definitely think we should take part two on this conversation. What do you think? That's good with me. Absolutely. So we um, appreciate y'all listening and hanging out with us this long and uh, we're going to pick it up next time. Thank you, guys. Bye.